travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 50. 50 things we love about traveling in Asia. It's been more than two years since our first episode went live on June 11th, 2014, and we're suddenly at this 50th episode of Talk Travel Asia podcast. It's been a ton of fun thinking of topics to cover and share, and we hope you've enjoyed the ride as much as us. To mark this, our 50th episode, we're going to share 50 things we love about traveling in Asia. The categories will be broad, responses at times surprising, and we guarantee there are a few things in here you'll want to try. Thanks for listening and celebrating 50 episodes with us. Cheers, Scott. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. We're uh, at my apartment here in Bangkok enjoying a drink. Truth be told, in the middle of the afternoon, because we just felt there was no other way to do it. But uh, man, yeah, where has the time gone? Over two years. Yeah, you know, and uh, doing two episodes at a, in a month has been challenging at times. Uh, we're not always in the same location. Many times we're in different countries. Our guests oftentimes are in different countries. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been without some challenges, but I think we've put together some great episodes over the past two years, and uh, I hope we can commemorate that with uh, 50 interesting things that we've probably discussed on some of our episodes, but yeah. uh, there's some interesting new things in here as well. Yeah, so this is going to be a fast ride because we don't want this episode to be two hours in length but we are just going to randomly blast through categories and things so trevor the first category i see you're here is food what is a food item you like well, you know, one of the great things about Asia is that the, the food is so diverse. You know, mm. you, you, every time I went to Vietnam, I discovered something new and amazing. Uh, Vietnamese menus are a lot like Thai menus, too. Like Thai menus have more things on them that you could order in a year, probably. Uh, but if there's one thing that I could eat almost every single day, it's Pad Pao in Thailand, which Ooh. is the spicy stir-fried basil. Yeah, that is one of my favorites. Number two on our list then will be mine, pho in uh Vietnam, man, I love a good pho soup. Like the tender beef, the nice broth. Mm. Seems to be one of those rare foods like McDonald's hamburgers that if I'm hungover, I can also eat pho. So pho is mine. What's number three on the list now? Um, you know, we're saying like there's so many diverse things to eat here. And, and lots of people probably have had pho. But one of my favorite things about Asia is that there's lots of weird food. Yeah. Right. So when I was in Cambodia a number of years ago, I ate a tarantula. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. And the tarantula is not too bad. It comes with a nice black pepper sauce, and you just pretend that it's a soft-shell crab. Yeah. And uh, you can have a tarantula with some spicy black pepper sauce. I have not had the guts to try the tarantula. And then there's, like, beef with fire ants and stuff like I've that. that. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Okay, then number four, I'm going to keep it simple with a curry. Rendang curry from Java, Indonesia. Man, it's usually made with beef. Uh, tender kind of stewed beef and quite a spicy curry, but I really love the rendang curry. You know, I have some rendang curry mix uh, at home, and uh, I often use it to make rendang tacos. Okay. Yeah. So what's our next uh, category? Uh, let's talk about transportation options. There's lots of interesting transportation options here in Asia, and okay. I think just getting around is one of the unique 
things to do here. So what's one of your favorite transportation? Well, ones? number five on our list will be a remok, which is what everyone calls a tuk-tuk in Cambodia, but it's a remok. And this is the kind of chariot trailer that's pulled behind a tiny little motorbike for getting around. There's no walls between you and the outside, wind in your face. You can chat with people. They drive slow. It's a great way to get around. Yeah. You know, I like the, all the different style of tuk-tuk, you know, like yeah, the remok is a motorbike with a little carriage on the back. Yeah. In Thailand, it's a, it's an open air, like little three-wheeled go-kart of sorts mm-hmm. and i was just in jakarta and the tuk-tuks in jakarta are enclosed actually it's like a little tiny minivan or something like that oh i've seen so pictures, and then yeah. in krabi it's like a sidecar yeah i just think it's cool that they have different styles of tuk-tuk all around the region right okay then my next one is going to be a royal enfield motorcycle in nepal and uh, they use them tons there it's the old british bike they're still manufactured in india but they're really kind of weird and tricky man because everything's opposite like the back brake is on your left foot the gears are on your right Uh, you shift them opposite but they're really quirky but they are fun to drive yeah you know uh, getting off the land a little bit i one of my favorite transportation options is the long tail boat the long tail boat is a is a long wooden boat and it has like a a a car engine on the back of it with a big long shaft that has a propeller that goes into the water and they're kind of like water taxis here in thailand so if you're on one of the islands um, and you want to get from one beach to the next beach you can oftentimes hire a long tail boat to to putter you around yeah and you can hear them coming because somehow they don't seem to be able to afford a muffler (laughs) i don't know why So the next category is going to be episodes of Talk Travel Asia, and we're keeping it to two each. So number nine on the list will be episode 37, Trekking Asia's Tea Trails with Jeff Fox for me. Like, that was super interesting. This is a Canadian guy that's trekked thousands and thousands of kilometers tracing tea routes through uh, China all the way into Tibet, and I thought that was an absolutely fascinating one. How about you, Trevor? You know, one of my favorite episodes was uh, episode number 17, Favorite Watering Holes of Asia, Mm. um, which we recorded at the Foreign Correspondence Club in Phnom Penh. Yeah, and we drank. Yeah, I love doing the episodes (laughs) that we've done on location. Yeah, those are fun. And doing one in a bar while we're talking about our favorite bars definitely set the mood for some lively conversation. Yeah, that one was sweet. Well, then number 11 on the list will be a special episode with no number, which was Traveling Nepal Post-Earthquake with Mads Matiasen. And... uh, Nepal's a, a place that's near and dear to me. I was shocked, as everyone was, about the earthquakes there. And Mass gave us a really good rundown really shortly after the earthquakes on the scene and really encouraged people to go. So number 12, what would be your next uh, favorite episode? Uh, episode number 13, which was our first tantalizing travel tales. Right, um, right We've right. done several of those now, but I think the first one, we told some of our, our best exciting travel stories from our, our past. And it, it's always fun to relive travel stories because you know that's one of the most special things about travel is these adventures and experiences that you gain so reliving them by sharing them with our listeners was a a great experience for me yeah that was a pretty cool one well the next category we'll go into is history and we each have one here Uh, number 13 lucky number 13 on the list i'm going to say historically i love uh thailand's chao Phraya river the section from ayutthaya the old capital which is about 90 kilometers north of bangkok all the way to bangkok and sort of This is the river that the first Europeans sailed up from the Gulf of Thailand. I mean, there's just so much history around here. The the founding of the modern day dynasty, arrival of Europeans. And you can literally see the buildings, the churches, the watts and everything along the river. I love that history. Yeah, for me, number 14, uh, you know, 
I think my easy answer is, is Cambodia and Angkor and the pre-Angkor civilizations. Um, but I'm also really interested in the Mon people of, of Thailand and the Dvaravati. Yeah. Dvaravati was a civilization yeah. um, that predated the, the Thai people moving into Thailand and around contemporary time with the early Angkor society. And I just love learning the history of the region and all these kingdoms that used to exist. And, and you can still visit the temples that they built and, and you can glean a little bit of the history, but it's still such a mystery to us. Yeah, it is a neat one. Okay, well, uh, without losing any of our steam here, the next one is wildlife. Trevor, what do you like in the wildlife front? You know, there's such exotic wildlife in Asia, and, and there's so many cool opportunities to get outdoors and, and trek. When we went to Borneo, Borneo was amazing. There was a flying lemur that, that flew okay. over us and, and tried to pee on us. Um, but when I was in Trang in, in southern Thailand a couple of years ago, um, I got to see a dugong in the wild. Oh, wow. And a dugong is like a sea cow, like a manatee. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing. Like, uh, I, I thought they were going to be these really slow, docile creatures, but they're big and they're quite fast. Huh. Cool. Well, I've never seen one. Number 16 on the list, and for me, will be in Kuching, Borneo. I'm going to say it wrong, but it's the Semingol Wildlife Center. It's 24 kilometers from Kuching, and this is one of the places in Borneo to see orangutans. And it's been around a long yeah. time, and just like really easy trip, day trip from the city out. And, you know, you may see some, you may see none when you go there, but when we went, they started to slowly emerge from the trees, climb down some ropes, they ate, and it was pretty darn cool to see those things in their, you know, more or less natural habitat. That was really sweet. Yep. Okay, our next category is going to be meeting other people. Mm. Um, and for me, like it, it's not just meeting local people, which is a very special part of, of traveling in Asia because there's all these different cultures and, and there's so, so much pride in their culture. But for me, it's also meeting other travelers. Um, for my birthday every year, for many years, I used to travel to a place that I'd never been to before. Uh -huh. um, in, in some part to do some recon for future trips so that it would be easier when I finally had more time to go there. Right. But just as a short little trip to check into a backpacker and meet other guests um, and then go out in the town and celebrate my birthday with new friends. Uh, many of those people that I've met on those trips over the years are still my friends today. That's cool, man. I've never been on one of those. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Well, that brings us to number 18. And my pick is... Quite a big fun night that you and I had together, actually, in Phnom Penh. I was there for a travel conference. I think it was 2009. Everything's a wee bit blurry. But you and I wanted to check out the fairly new at that time Kingdom Brewery. We went there. We met a girl named Zana that was working there. We then were going off to a party at Lonely Planet writer Nick Ray's house. We ended up stopping for uh, some Jägermeister along the way. We picked up some friends. But I just remember that being a, a, a big, crazy night. My last memory is a, a being part of a massive dance in a hotel or something. But that was a pretty darn cool one. So that moves us along to our next category, which is islands and beaches. And why don't I start this off with number 19 on our list. And it's not one of the most beautiful beaches in the region, but I love it. Takyap, which means chopstick. Takyap Beach in Huihin. And the beach is about six kilometers long when the tide goes out, super flat. You can't ask for much better a beach for like a long walk or a run on. So Trevor, what would you do at number 20? You know, I, I just think there's so many different islands in Thailand that it's almost impossible to visit them all. Um, so, you know, my big thing is just kind of exploring and discovering and finding new islands. Um, you know, my most recent discovery, which would probably be up here on the list, is the islands of Ranong mm. in, near the border of Myanmar in, in northwestern Thailand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Koh Pratong, Koh Ra, Koh Payam. Um, beautiful and not quite developed yet because they're only just starting to be discovered by tourists. Okay. Well, my next one then at number 21 is going to be a simple 
people go to, but I sadly haven't been in years, and that's Koh Samet, which is in Thailand, right at the top of the Gulf of Thailand, kind of one of the quicker islands to get to from Bangkok, but it's also the driest island in the country. Super soft sand, and you know, I think often we spend so much time and energy flying, driving to get to a beach. If you just want soft sand and a good, quiet place to chill out, Koh Samet's a pretty solid bet. Yeah, you know, for number 22, uh, I spend a lot of time in Bali, and I'm going to be moving to Bali here soon. Um, Bali isn't doesn't have, like, the most spectacular beaches per se. You know, okay. there are some really awesome beaches here and there. Um, but one place that I just recently went with my girlfriend um, that I always wanted to stay at just because it's so romantic is a place called Dream Beach in Nusa Lombongan, which is a little island off the coast of Bali. Um, and Dream Beach is this just beautiful, picturesque little bay. Um, it's got the... the little simple resort with the beach and the swimming pool and and it's beautiful and it's relaxing and, and the water is crystal clear um, dream beach excellent place to check out man great name at the very least so it brings us on to our next category and i think we actually allotted ourselves the most picks of any category <laughs> for this one it tells you a bit about us this is places to drink and uh, mine's going to be one we've talked about on prior episodes and it's cheap charlie's on soy 11 off sukhumvit road in bangkok I think I went there my third or fourth day after I moved here. I still like to go there, preferably a little earlier, but the drinks are cheap, quirky, weird atmosphere. And you know what I love? You get a real honest port. Like you order a Jack and Coke there, you're getting more than an ounce. I love it. Yeah, actually, it's like a, a three-ounce glass almost with an ounce and a half of, of Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a solid drink. Um, for me, this is a tough category. It's impossible to pick like a single favorite. So I'm going to say for places to drink in Asia is rooftop bars. Ooh, that's a nice um, one. Bangkok has some great ones. Uh, you know, on Soy 11 there, Above 11 is a, is a great rooftop bar. I like in yeah. Bangkok that there's different rooftop bars in different parts of the city, so you get different views of the skyline. Right. Um, we did a couple in KL together. Phnom Penh. Um, Phnom Penh, there's a great roof. It's like a helipad that's converted yeah. into a rooftop Some bar. Some Ho Chi Minh now. In Singapore, there's a good one. It's not a rooftop bar, but that brewery that looks out over Marina Bay Sands. Yeah. Um, I just like any drink with a view mm. of a spectacular shoreline or, or cityscape is, is the place for me. Yeah. Halfway through, number 25, I'm picking Upstairs Bar in Kathmandu. It's on Lazampat. They've moved locations a few years ago, but it's owned by a hippie kind of character. They have jazz a couple nights a week. They make incredible momos, which are dumplings. Always had fun at Upstairs Bar. Okay, number 26, I'm going to say, just like rooftop anywhere, beachside anywhere. Nice one. Um, there's so many great beachside bars in Asia. Um, the bars above Uluwatu in Bali are great. Single Fin, Edge, Delphi. Um, also in the Seminyak area, the Potato Head Swimming Pool Bar, one of my favorite places to watch a sunset, meet other travelers. Um, in general, there's all sorts of good beach bars all across Asia. That's a good one. 27, then, is a place I've only been a couple times, and it's not Flash. It's called Smith Street Taps in Singapore and it is literally in a hawker center on the second floor in Chinatown so there's just all these hawker places selling food they only open for like five hours a day and they're selling imported craft beers so it's just like this regular stall in the food court they're slinging craft beers but I think it's a quirky concept and neat atmosphere. You know, I'm sticking with that theme for number 28. Um, for, for at least the first decade I lived here in Asia, there mm. weren't any craft beers at all for the sure most weren't. part. And now the craft beer revolution is really taking off in Asia. Here in Thailand, uh, home brewing is becoming really big. So I'd say any place where you can get a good craft beer or freshly made beer. In Vietnam, they have beer hoi. Yeah, like yeah, in, that's in Hanoi, fun. Where you just sit on little stools and drink tiny cups of beer for like 10 cents a pop. Yeah. Um, if you can get a, a good, unique beer, especially one that's produced in the region, which is becoming much more popular these days, uh, that's where you're going to find me. 
Cool. Okay, next category is we're going places to relax. And 29 for me is also a place we've talked about on this podcast, Doi Mesolong, which is in Chiang Rai. That's Thailand's northernmost province. Uh, it's famous for terraced tea fields, oolong tea. It was settled by Chinese who fled after the revolution in China. There's all kinds of neat little hiking trails. You could do biking if you take up your mountain bike. But that to me is one of the ultimate relaxed places. You know, for me, this one uh, I had almost forgotten about, and then somebody mentioned it recently. But it's Bottle Beach on, yeah. the, on the north shore of Koh Phangan here in mm. Thailand. And, you know, Koh Tao has developed so much, right? And Samui is, like, super developed. Right. And for some reason, like, Bottle Beach has, has remained this kind of quiet place. There's only four resorts on the entire beach, just Bottle Beach 1, 2, 3, and 4, that are all right on the beachfront. Um, and when we used to go there, we used to rent... Uh, a bungalow up on the hillside on mm. the, the west side of the beach that was one of the nicest rooms you could get on the island uh, with a nice view with a nice bathroom and then we would also rent one of the cheapest little beach shacks right <laughs> on the beachfront at the other end of the beach where we'd keep all of our beach gear and hammocks and stuff like that yeah um and and bottle beach just one of my old go-to places just to to kick it and a nice little beach and not do anything 16 and a half years here i've still never made it there but i really want to go that brings us to 31, and my second place to relax is Gaul, Sri Lanka. And this is in the southwestern corner of the country. It's a fort city, had the Portuguese, the Dutch, the British. Uh, it's right on the, the water, fortified little kind of fort city, but super cool architecture, just neat, neat, unique, quirky place. Um, yeah, you know, for, for places to relax, number 32 here, um, Luang Prabang in Laos, I yeah, think is one nice of place. the most relaxing places in the world. I, I used to go up there for about a month at a time mm. and just forget about time or what day it is. You just rent a bicycle and you just ride around town. You could just sit and watch the river. Some young monk will walk by and sit down next to you and you can have some, you know, try to speak English with them. And it, it's just such a charming place. And, and it it exists at such a slow pace still. Um, even though it's gotten a lot more touristy lately, I think it exudes this this charm and, and you know this slow life of the Mekong that's just floating by it. And it, it just always satisfies my soul. Yeah, it is a nice place. Well, this moves us into our next category, walks, hikes, and bike rides. And number 33 on the list then, it's gonna be something I really only did uh, fairly recently. And those are the paved path network around downtown Singapore. You know, riding your bike kind of along the water's edge past the barrage, the Marina Bay Sands, Clark Kay, the F1 venue, the National Indoor Stadium. Like, it's just a pretty darn nice way to see the cityscape from multiple angles, easy to do. It's, it's a solid outing. You know, when we were making this list, I didn't even realize I did this. But for number 34, for my favorite hike, walk, or bike, uh, is just cruising a bicycle around in Luang Prabang in <laughs> yeah. Laos. Yeah, You can get these cheap little simple Chinese bicycles, and, and you just tool around the back streets, tool around the riverside, stop taking the view. Um, it's really easy riding, and you just take your time. And it's such a beautiful town, and there's such beautiful people that enjoying it by bicycle is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, well, I'm going to go for number 35 is something I've done on foot, walking, running, and I've ridden a mountain bike many times. But that is circumnavigating on top of the wall of Angkor Thom. This is one of the old cities of Angkor. It's three kilometers on each side with uh, at least one gate on each side. There's two on one other side, but basically 12 kilometers around the top. Uh, just a nice dirt footpath. Usually don't see anybody else. It's one of my favorite places to get away from it all. I love it. 
Yeah, for, for walks, for me, this is kind of a simple one, but I don't see a lot of people do it when I'm down there. Um, when I go to Bali, oftentimes I stay on Bingen Beach, which is one of the, the famous surfing beaches in Bali. Okay. And at low tide, you can walk from Bingen up to Dreamland. So usually I'll grab my fins, uh, walk up to Dreamland, do some body surfing up there, grab a beer at uh, Dreamland Beach there, and then you just have to make sure that you walk back before the tide comes up because uh, the, <laughs> okay. the trail is only available and there's a huge cliff against the, the water's edge there. Yeah. So, uh, But it's a great little day hike, uh, great way to, to go to Dreamland, and, and the, it's a bit touristy, but go in there, go do some body surfing, walk back to Bingen. Cool. Well, the next one is one that uh, is very much Trevor, and that's Places to be in the water. And my first pick was uh, Marissa in southern Sri Lanka. And my wife and I went there years ago to try to learn surfing. And it's great just because it's sandy bottom. There's like no coral, small waves. And for people like us, man, it was just a great place. We spent hours and hours trying to surf there. And it was a solid, fun, easy time. Yeah, for places in the water, I'm sticking in Bali. I'm going back to Nusa Lombonga in there. I think it's just got the best diversity of uh, things that are water-oriented. I just mentioned Dream Beach as being a beautiful beach on the island. Um, on this last trip, we went snorkeling on the mangrove uh, right. to the north of the island. Uh, on Chenangan Island, which is right next to it, there's like a 15-meter cliff that you can jump off of. There's good snorkeling. There's good surfing. Um, just all-around great place to get in the water, Nusa Lombonga. Oh, that sounds great, man. 39 is uh, the Mekong River at a town called Shengkong, which is in Thailand's northernmost province, Chiang Rai. And this is a sleepy little town. It's the border crossing point between Laos and Thailand. And I've spent lots of time either on long tail boats, just going up and down it, having picnics along the river, kayaking. But one of my favorite things has just been tubing. And we've actually, you know, go up on a long tail boat, put a big truck tire tube in the water mm -hmm. and just sit in it and drift down the Mekong River yeah, for like an good. hour. And uh, yeah, that's a really special thing to do on a very famous river. Yeah, tubing is great. Um, for, for me, I like going swimming in the ocean at night. And, uh, and there's not, like, you can't do it in, like, Chowang Beach, Koh Samui, or a lot of parts of Bali where it's just either not safe or, you know, the water conditions aren't ideal. Um, one of the best places for doing midnight swims for me was the Golden Buddha Beach on Koh Pratong. That's one of the islands uh, off the coast of Ranong, um, near the border with Myanmar and Thailand. Okay. Um, that was the last best place that I did a midnight swim. Um, it's so private. There's no one else around. It's so remote. Um, the water's great. Good place for skinny dipping. Cool. Well, what's our next category? Our next category is monuments. I was thinking this could be monuments or heritage sites. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's, let's see what we got. What do you got? Okay, well, we're into the home stretch here. Number 41, uh, Independence Monument in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, the capital. And, you know, it's a fairly modern monument. I think it would be, what, like 30 years old. But it's, I mean, it really sticks out on that French boulevard. It's really unique. Um, it just captivates. Every time you end up on that street with Independence Monument, it really kind of sucks me in. It gets my attention. There's a traffic circle around it. I think it's a really, really beautiful monument that looks Khmer. And uh, yeah, I love it. For me, I think it's a little bit obvious if you guys know my background. It's the Angkor temples. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are monuments, right? Sure. Uh, they're some of the grandest monuments on earth. Um, I particularly like Angkor Wat pre-sunrise or at sunset. Sure. We did the pre-sunrise together. Um, you kind of sneak in the back door when yeah. it's still dark out and stuff. If you do Angkor Wat, like really early, you go in the back door, you can get up to the top of the temple and have the whole thing to yourself. Same with sunset. Nobody goes to Angkor Wat at sunset, but I think Angkor Wat is beautiful at sunset. And again, the very top of the temple is closed, but you can finagle your way into it and you can actually see the sunset from the top of Angkor Wat. 
Okay, well, number 43, I'm going to pick something a little different, and that's the Saigon Opera House in Ho Chi Minh City. And there's just so many beautiful French buildings left there. And to sit around the Opera House, there's other kind of really beautiful buildings around there. So I just like that spot for kind of sitting, relaxing, and soaking in the vibe of kind of old Ho Chi Minh mixed with the European influence. And you can also see modern skyscrapers at the same time. It's a, it's a key spot to me. You know, for, for my other monument, number 44, again, this is a tough call because, again, I love the history. I love the, the ancient cities. Um, I almost should have mentioned this when I did the bike ride, but Sukhothai in Thailand. Oh, that's a good one. It's a great place to ride a bike around. Sure, yeah? it's good. And, and Bagan, which is in, in Myanmar, the that's old city awesome. there, yeah. is amazing, too. It's a little bit hotter at Bagan, so so Sukhothai might be a little bit better for, for riding the bike around. Mm. Um, but Sukhothai and Bagan, like these ancient cities, those are, are the top. Bagan, sweet. Yeah, and, and they're right up there. Angkor, Sukhothai. Bagan are, are all equally impressive in their own very different ways. You know, you slipped this next topic in and I thought it was sort of lame. And then I thought about, well, what would mine be? And the next category is trinkets to buy. And I'm not really a trinket kind of guy. But then what's funny is I realized there is something that I've generally bought. And often you'll go to sites here in Asia, particularly Southeast Asia, the slightly tourist ones, and there'll be somebody that snaps a photo of you as you're going in. And on your way out, they present you with a small plate with your photo on it. So you're the guy who buys those? <laughs> they're so ugly and they're so horrible. But I must admit, I've probably bought a dozen of them over oh the years. God. You guys should have like a display case. My wife made me get rid of them when we had oh, our last move. Really? But I am a sucker for those plates with your photo on them. Okay. For me, I mean, there, there's great souvenirs that you can get. Uh, there's amazing artisans all over Southeast Asia. Um, my thing is really... Rather than buying like your your scarf or your your carved Buddha image mm -hmm. um, from like a market, is to try to go to the villages where the the families who make them are making them, and then buy them directly from the people who make them. In, in the town of Persat, which is in central Cambodia on the south side of the Tonle Sap Lake, yeah. um, there's a little village that does marble carving. Hmm. And uh, I have this really beautiful little marble Buddha that I bought from the man who carved it. And uh, I just find that those types of souvenirs are m so much more meaningful when you bought it from the person who made it rather than from a market. Man, your pics are so much more thoughtful than mine. I love the <laughs> plates of the photos. Yeah, these are good. Okay, well, wow, we're down to the last four. And the next topic is going to be place to sleep. And mine is in a tent on any mountainside in Nepal during a full service supported trek. And I've been lucky enough to do these kind of treks where you have a crew that's carrying your gear point to point. They just pick a place close to a water source on a beautiful mountain, you know, side. They set up your tent. But just sitting there in your tent in the morning, looking out, seeing the great view, kind of imagining that you've literally walked to where you were and that's the mm. only way like I, I love that that's kind of my favorite place yeah camping's awesome because then you're out in nature you're really in the environment yeah. you know yeah. and that's why for mine I, I picked like the wooden huts and the wooden bungalows yeah okay because you know if you stay in a Four Seasons, you're in a Four Seasons you know you could be anywhere in the world almost right sure but some of these old school wooden bungalows that they have on the beaches and islands of Southeast Asia are, are so like they're so charming in their own kind of way um, but then also like some of the boutique resorts have some really nice wooden bungalows I, I stayed in a hundred year old Javanese bridal suite um, uh, when I stayed at the Bamboo Inda Resort in Ubud, Bali, he he, handed, he picked these Javanese bridal suites from Java. They took them apart. They moved them to Bali. They rebuilt them there. And staying in these beautiful old wooden houses is so much nicer than staying in a hotel room. That's a great one. And now this brings us to our last two picks. And this category you threw up was pretty cool too. Best whatever. Hmm. So for number 49... 
I said I love dirt biking in Chiang Rai province. Chiang Rai is Thailand's northernmost. And I mean, there's so many footpaths there. People have been walking their way, you know, over the modern day border for centuries. And I just love getting out on a dirt bike and finding new trails, riding my favorite ones. To me, it's one of the absolute most fun you can have on a day out. It's epic. Yeah, you know, I haven't done it in Chiang Rai, but the first time I ever rode a, a dirt bike was in Cambodia. And, and that almost should go as my favorite thing to do, too. Like riding an off-road motorbike in Cambodia is one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Up in Ratanakiri province, um, Nise is a guy up there. He's got some bikes. He lets me right. borrow his bike and go exploring. It's just unbelievable. Uh, but for me, I'm going back to, to exploring and discovering new islands. Number 50. Number 50. You know, when I first moved to Thailand 15 or so years ago, um, I spent seven weeks on Koh Tao. Okay. Hmm. And, and back then it was still very undeveloped, you know, and it's developed so much. So you got to go find a new island. So we went to Koh Rong in Cambodia and, and Koh Rong was epic. And now, you know, I, I've heard there's so many developments there that it's like it, it's going to be coming down, you know, so. More recently, it was the islands of Ranong, you know, Koh Ra, Koh Pratong, uh, Payam. Yeah. Koh Payam is, is on the verge of becoming overdeveloped. But I think that, you know, there's always new islands to, to explore, to discover. There's thousands of islands in Myanmar. So trying to find these new up-and-coming next destination tourist beach resort areas before they're discovered by the hordes, that, that's probably my favorite thing to do. That's pretty sweet. Well, man, we really sailed through that. And, you know, we could have done 100 things pretty easily, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, man, I can't believe that what started out is just a fun little way to stay connected to travel. A couple of years ago when I was living in Malaysia and you were here, it's continued and that we're actually at 50 episodes. Like, that's that's something special, man. Yeah, the other amazing thing is just that, like, you know, we've started to broaden what we talk about. We've been doing mm. more about, like, trekking in the Malay and Himalayas and, and whatnot. Um, we've talked to people about hiking and biking and Hong in, Kong. In Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, we still haven't done much about India or, or Japan, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's so many more places to, to explore in the region and, and our network keeps growing and we know all these interesting people that are doing all these cool things all across Asia. So I hope that we can continue and make it to 100 and, and keep bringing uh, our listeners some interesting stuff and, and hopefully some insight from ourselves and our guests about all the cool things that there are to do in the region. Yeah, well, Trevor, let's cheers and finish our drink to 50 great episodes to 50 more yeah and thank you for listening everybody and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of talk travel asia thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon hey scott do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Tom and Cambodia? 